welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves, and then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. So indeed, let's get started. Such a blessing to kick off the Catholic Connect podcast, episode number one. The very special guest, he's uh, ordained to the priesthood back in June of 2014. The great passion for hockey, the outdoors, and of course, for the people of God and the Holy Catholic Church. He currently serves as the parish priest for Our Lady of the Angels Parish in Fort Saskatchewan. And after a long and exhaustive trial process, he is the power play specialist for the Flying Fathers hockey team. So we can talk about that sometime too. But today we're going to chat about something a lot more serious, timely, and certainly more urgent. And that is the spiritual and practical importance of the sacrament of reconciliation and confession. So I'm so blessed to welcome our brother in Christ, but mostly, most importantly, our spiritual father in Christ, Father Chris Schmidt. Father Chris, thank you very much. Good to be with you. Awesome. Thank you very much. So yeah, reconciliation and confession. One of those things that I think a sacrament that unfortunately is a little bit even misunderstood by Catholics, but, but it's certainly something that's a, that's a real blessing in our church and a blessing in our faith. So let's start off with, with why confession, Father? Why is it important for, for Catholics to go to confession? Important for Catholics to go to confession because it's a sacrament, which means that it's a gift instituted by Christ for the good of our salvation. And so to see it as anything other than that um, is just not what it's intended to be. The sacraments, the seven sacraments discerned by the church are there as gifts from Christ for the sake of the salvation of the world. And they're a package deal. I always tell people Uh, we don't do one without the other because they all feed off of each other. And then, so many ways because baptism is the first sacrament all of the other sacraments serve the grace that we receive in baptism and so confession is the sacrament that restores the baptismal grace that we reject through our sin and so in a very real way in receiving absolution which that very word is tied to the same root as baptism is to restore back to us the gift that God gave us in the beginning at our baptism that we turned away from, walked away from, rejected when we chose to sin instead of living virtuously. And, and that, um, you said something interesting in saying that it's the sacrament. Well, it's the sacrament of healing too, just like baptism, right? So can you, how do you tie those two in? you got baptism and now you've got confession. So baptism, as Catholics, we typically get, baptized when we're infants but uh how does that tie into the two sacraments of of healing yeah so recognition that we live in a broken world right that this is a fallen world that is in the process of being redeemed by god's grace through the grace that comes from christ's suffering death and resurrection and so the two sacraments of healing that we have confession or reconciliation and the anointing of the sick are there 
to preserve that grace that God desires for us. So in the anointing of the sick, the primary grace of that sacrament is to preserve someone's faith through a time of suffering in their life, primarily physical suffering, but some could argue also for mental suffering with mental illness. The anointing of the sick could equally be helpful through that and holding on because when we are burdened by this life, there's a great temptation to let go of our faith. And then the grace of the sacrament of confession is there that when we have let the world entice us away from God, it is the means in which we are brought back into relationship through him. And I always, when I go to elementary schools, I tell them, we know this to be true because what's one of the first things your mom and dad teach you is how to say sorry, that there's a way that we have to apologize. We can't just assume that a relationship is restored once the bad thing has stopped. We need to apologize. And so in a real way, confession is the way that we apologize to God for the sake of restoring our relationship with him. That's an interesting point too you make. I mean, it seems, you know, we're looking outside of the world today. You look at what's happening, whether it's on the news or even just outside our tour, you know, it's, uh, there's a sin problem in the world that's that's really the biggest problem right now is, is sin right it's it's and sin separates us from that friendship with god and as catholics that's something that's so important that we realize and at a, even at a young age that when we commit a sin it does take us out of that that friendship and maybe it, it might be a good time too father to just uh, and this this is probably one of those things that we could probably have our own podcast on too mortal and venial sin and uh, maybe the difference between the two and the importance the the the, the eternal importance, especially of confessing mortal sin. Yeah, so that distinction really originates from St. John's letters, where he talks about the fact that there is some sin that is mortal. Not that all sin is mortal, but there is, there is some sin that is mortal. So the Catholic teaching is the sacrament of confession is not required for venial sin. We're never required to go to confession for the sake of confessing our venial sin. Is it a good practice? Yes. And then we can talk about that if you want. But it is a requirement to go to confession for the sake of mortal sin because a venial sin puts strain on our relationship with God. It doesn't sever it. A mortal sin is something that we do intentionally and freely and with full knowledge of what we're doing and by that thought, word, or action, we are, we're basically turning our back on God. And so when we've turned our back on God, we need a real and substantial means to restore that relationship. And so if we have committed mortal sin, we must go to confession to confess that. Because it is the, it's the medicine the church has given us in order to remedy that sickness of that sin that is in our life. I think and what I usually back, tell people, sorry. No, that's okay. Father. I was just going to say that it goes back to the, the quote by St. Thomas Aquinas, I believe it was sin darkens the intellect. So, yeah. and even an accumulation of venial sins eventually, eventually will probably lead us to mortal sin, to something more grievous. Would that be fair to say? Often that is the case. Yeah. So what I usually tell people is, there are some sins that are very obviously mortal and there are some sins that are very obviously venial. And then there's a number of sins that kind of lie somewhere in between the two. 
And God doesn't ask us to sit there and evaluate, is my sin mortal or is my sin venial? We're not our own judge. God is our judge. And so what we do by a regular practice of confession in our life is we're, we're submitting that sin to God's judgment. So I'm not going to sit there and go, well, this was venial, so I don't need to confess that. And this was mortal, so I, I have to, because what's the temptation for most of us? Eh, it's to mitigate it back down to the level of venial so that I'm okay. I'm good where I'm at. Um, no, we, we come in humility with the grace given to us by God to have the courage to do it. And we just submit our sin to God's judgment in the sacrament. And I think too that, you know, it's, it's a temptation for all of us and, and maybe some people that haven't gone to confession in a while is to, to downplay how serious that sin was, you know, how often, and I know even in, in my own life when I was younger that you see, sometimes you just say, Hey, I, I haven't killed anyone physically. I'm a nice person. Uh, I don't really need to go to confession. And then you look back and say, man, it's been a long time since I've been to confession. Um, and I think that's one of the, I guess it's one of the tragedies in the church actually is because we have this, this avenue, this, this opportunity to heal of our sins and, uh, and come to confession. You know, there's been so many times I've, I've met people that are around my age or in their thirties and forties. And they say the last time they've been to confession was the first time they went to confession. So back when they were, you know, probably eight, nine years old. And maybe some of them said they went to confession before they got married in the church and then they're, they're done, they're gone. And, and a lot of times that, the, the reasoning behind that is sometimes just downplaying the sin itself. Well I, well, I haven't done anything too serious. I'm a nice person. I'm a good person. But, you know, that's that's how kind of sin catches up to us. Another thing, Father, that I think it's important that we touch base on is that um, sometimes a common argument among Catholics is saying, I can go, and even some non-Catholics, definitely people of goodwill, but their argument would be, I'm just going directly to God to confess my sin. I'm just going to go say sorry to, to God, and then everything will be will be fine. Can you explain a little bit about the, the Catholic Church's stance on why come to a priest and why it's important to come to a priest to go to confession? Okay, so kind of two things there, I guess. So the first part is kind of our awareness of that sin in our life. So it's, it's always funny as a priest because people who haven't been to confession in a long time will always preface before they come to confession or when I invite them to confession, they'll go, Oh father, you would never have time to hear my confession. It's been so long and there's so much to confess. And when they actually get into the confessional, it's like three, four minutes and it's done. And then the people that come to you, father, father, do you have time for a quick confession? And then you're 15 minutes later, you finally get out because, because we do, we do become desensitized to sin in our life. And so we don't have the ability because we're not open to the grace of God. It's God's grace that makes us aware of sin in our life, not our own self-reflection and self-judgment. It's God's grace that opens us up to that. And the image that I always think about in kind of understanding that is if you have a, a painting, a masterpiece, but you have it in the dark, all you see is shadows and shapes. But what do you always have in an art gallery when that masterpiece is displayed? You have light shining directly on it so that you can see all of the different brush strokes of the artist and the colors that the artist intended when he made the painting and the way that they fit together. 
that's what God wants for us. But we have to be willing to let light shine on ourselves to be able to see what sin there is in our life that's preventing that grace of our baptism from, from shining forth. So when we don't bring our sin to confession, it's like we keep it in the dark. And so we go, well, you know, I've, I've been lustful and I was angry. Yeah, those are nice broad categories. But when God draws you deeper, it's, I got angry at that person because I would rather control what they do than give up control for the sake of my relationship with them. It takes a lot more to get to that point than just to acknowledge that I got angry. That's easy to do. That's external. So that's really what the sacrament of confession is there to kind of draw us into. Then the kind of second part of why do we go to a priest to confess? Well, there's, there's really a long list of reasons why, but one of them is in the early church, confession of sin was always done publicly in front of the whole church community because there's no such, such thing as a private sin. Every sin that we commit affects the whole Christian community. And again, you find that in scripture. And so they would have to publicly confess their sin, and then they would have to do penance for that sin that often lasted years. And they were not allowed in the church during that time of penance. They would sit on the doorstep of the church doing their penance every week in front of the whole Christian community for the hope of one day being reconciled with the community. So it was the Irish monks, and my church history stinks, so don't ask me which century that started in, um, but it was in the first millennium. There's, there's your kind of broad category. Sometime in the first millennium, um, the Irish monks were the ones who started the practice of private confession. And in a real way, the priest takes on two roles in confession. He represents Christ uh, through his priesthood, but at the same time, he's representing the Christian community. So that when you're coming to confession, in the safety of the seal of confession, you're confessing straight to God in the person of Jesus Christ, portrayed to you through the presence of the priest. And you're confessing to the whole Christian community, acknowledging that my sin is not just my own, but it has affected people around me. And the priest takes that role on for you as well, with the promise that he'll never tell anybody with fear of being excommunicated for doing that. Instead of having to stand up in front of the church on Sunday morning and going, hey, look, I stole about $1,000 from my company. Instead of doing, having to do that, we have this gift of the sacrament of confession. And that's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, to think about that, to do a public confession, you know, I, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, <laughs> a pretty sobering thought, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, no. and, and I'm glad that, thank you, Lord, for those Irish monks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and sorry, Father, I guess I kind of asked two questions there, and I, and those are the really good answers, and I was, I think I'm going to read this from scripture and, uh, and really the biblical evidence of uh, the Catholic church's position on confession. And I think it's, it's actually quite beautiful. It's, it's in the, the gospel of John and it's in chapter 20. It was actually, so it was after Christ's resurrection and it was, it was one of the, the last instructions or the last, uh, uh, I guess, commands that he gave to the apostles. 
This is from uh, John uh, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Um, and I, I think also it's, it's beautiful if you note what uh, the first thing, one of the first things that he did before he gave the instruction. So it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I, I thought that this was really interesting that Jesus would come and he showed his, his wounds. I, I, and I, when I was reading this the other day when I was... Uh, researching this a little bit, I, I was, that really struck me as something that, that's really interesting that he, he showed him his wounds first. You know, he showed that the, the evidence of his sacrifice for us on the cross and how that, and then the next thing he did was saying that, you know, I'm going to give you the, the authority to, to forgive the sins of others. So what's, what's our, your reflection on that father? Yeah. And obviously with like most things in scripture, what your foundation is, is going to influence the way that you interpret it. So from a Catholic understanding, one of the things about Catholicism and the Orthodox are close in that approach to our Christian faith is this sacramental understanding of our faith, which is basically just the acknowledgement that God willingly chooses to reveal his grace to the world or to meet out his grace to the world through imperfect creation, starting with the incarnation of his son, through Mary, a creature, a weak creature, that he brings this grace of the incarnation of his son to the world. And as Catholics, we have this approach that that perpetuates itself through the centuries. So Jesus brought this grace of the Father to the world through his weakness in his humanity, through his weakness on the cross. And he handed that down to the apostles through these specific commandments when he was just with the apostles. So there was times where Jesus gave teachings to his disciples, which were numerous. But there were times where he had the 12 with him and he gave very specific instructions and responsibilities to the 12 in that moment. So the passage you just read is one of those moments where they're locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews, and he gives them this commandment to do this, them specifically. He didn't give that commandment to all of the disciples. And so through them, it propagates that grace that comes from his death and resurrection he propagates that through the work of the apostles when they go out and bring the good news to the world. And so it's, it's not the apostle, it's not the priest granting the forgiveness, it's God. But God is using this person, this imperfect, broken person, to mete out his grace to all of his people. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, that's such a, uh, it's, it's so great that, you know, um, 
for imperfect vessels and even priests. I mean, you know, Father Chris, I think that's uh, something that that's why it's important that Catholics, we, we pray for our priests is that, um, you know, they're, they're, you're not, you're not perfect. You're, you're striving for, for perfection, but you're not there yet either. You're, you're on a journey yourself, but God still gives you that, the, the, the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to, to hear confession, to, to say mass. And I just, uh, yeah, I think that's just a, uh, that's such a beautiful uh, treasure in our church. I did also just want to touch base too about the connection with confession and being in a state of grace. When we're absolved of our sins, we do our, our penance and receiving the Eucharist. So there's, there's probably some people that are listening that, you know, you might be coming to church maybe once or twice a year, maybe just at Christmas, Easter, or even you're a non-Catholic that's uh, on the, on the outside, just, you know, as an observer wondering what is the deal with the Eucharist? What is the deal with confession and the sacraments? But um, why is it important for us, Father, to to discern um, and to to look and examine our lives and what do we have for for sin in our heart before we receive the Eucharist? And the Eucharist for us in the Catholic Church is the the source and the summit of the Christian life. It is it is the most important thing. So maybe tell us a little bit why it's important that we go to confession before we receive communion. Well, let me start with a little bit of analogy. Hopefully, works. So there are a number of people out there that have strained relationships within their families because of something that happened in the past. And in certain circumstances, that never really gets reconciled. It's just kind of always on the back burner, always in the background of every family get together. And it's never really addressed because everybody knows that if you address it, it's just going to bring out all the hurt feelings and it's going to ruin mom's birthday. And so everybody just kind of keeps quiet about it and goes about the family dinner and keeps a peaceable atmosphere. But is that really a loving, joy-filled experience when that happens? No, there's always kind of this mild tension lingering in the background because there's this unresolved reality in the relationship. Externally, everybody's smiling and cracking jokes and making it work. But you never talk about anything of real substance because you can't. You can't go there. And so when we never go to confession and we come to the Mass, it's like that never resolved issue that's always this small point of tension, even if it's just subconsciously. There's a part of us that is resisting really reconciling in our relationship with God because the Eucharist for us as Catholics is that intimate communion with Christ. And so we can receive it even though we are unworthy to because Jesus is so humble as to place himself in our hand or on our tongue in that way. He puts himself in the hands of the priest to be given freely to his people so we can receive him even though we're unworthy, but we'll never have a real union with him when we carry that sin in our life. In the same way that in a family, you'll never really have that family union, that family familial love, if you never address that sin from the past that's causing that tension. And so for us as Catholics, we need to be in a state of grace because we're hoping for the most perfect union with Christ that we can have this side of heaven. That's what we're desiring in receiving the Eucharist. 
So if there is anything that clings to us that is not of God, it's going to get in the way of making that possible. No, that, uh, that, that makes real perfect sense. And I think there's really good scriptural evidence too, Father, of um, you know, really enforcing the point of the importance of, uh, of going to confession and, and being uh, in a state of grace when you receive communion. And, and if we skip to uh, St. Paul, uh, the first letter to the Corinthians, it's uh, verse 27. It says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened so that we may not be condemning, or we may, sorry, we may not be condemned along with the world. So that's pretty powerful stuff from, from St. Paul and really enforcing the importance of going to confession and, and enforcing that, that passage from John as well, that there is an avenue, there is a means of, of confession and coming to present yourself to the, to the Lord worthily. So I think uh, that kind of ties in really nicely with, with the gospel as well. And that's, that's the reason why at the Catholic Mass we have the sign of peace just prior to coming for communion, that it's reconciling with our neighbor and ensuring that there's nothing between us and our neighbor before we come and present ourselves to the Lord. It's the reason why just before coming up for communion, we have our prayer, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. And this is definitely another podcast, but it's also that understanding that is the source of our teaching as Catholics on the Immaculate Conception in Mary's preparation to receive the Son of God in her womb. Oh, that, that's, that's an interesting uh, parallel too. That, that makes a lot of sense. And we're getting pretty close to the end here, Father. It's gone really fast. You're right. It's one of those things that we'll probably have to, uh, to uh, do another couple uh, podcasts on. But I did want to touch base really quickly on maybe some people are still hesitant about going to confession because they see the outside of the world and there's so many distractions out there. There's, you know, and we're, we're seeing how, you know, the, uh, it's, it's interesting to me. It's always been interesting how the world imitates the church in, in certain ways and certain, even the way that they receive, uh, how we receive sacraments and how, um, you know, the, the need for something like confession is, is imitated in the world. So we thinking about like modern psychology, you know, people going and sitting on a couch and, and just, you know, spilling out everything in their lives, you know, uh, everything sacred, everything, just, just, you know, just spilling out their, even their sins. And you talked earlier too, Father, about, you know, how confession, there's that seal of, of, um, you know, you're not allowed to obviously reveal that to anybody. This is something that's between you and God. And, um, but we still see people going to psychologists and some of that's good, but I'm just saying that that's what the world does to almost imitate confession. And you also see those daytime talk shows, you know, these, these, uh, these really sad and poor people coming on to TV and exposing their sins and everything for, for, for the whole world to see and, and basically to be mocked. And then you see something like cancel culture. And I think there's another talking about all these lists of podcasts we can do, but you know, cancel culture to me, it's, it's almost like the, you know, your, your sins are on display for everybody and you can say sorry or apologize 
for something you did or you didn't do. Uh, but there is no forgiveness. There is no forgetting anything that you did. It, it just lives forever. And it, and the message I think that the world gives is that if you do something that, that the world disagrees with or a sin in the eyes of the world, that doesn't matter what you do. It's going to follow you until you, until the end. Do you think that those distractions that they actually might distract people or even hinder people or have some doubts about coming to confession because really going to confession father, it's the exact opposite of that where there is no forgiveness and no forgetting that it's the opposite because Jesus forgives and, and will forget all of your sins, right? Well, to me, sin is an immaterial poison and that poison can affect the mind, which is where sometimes people are led to have to seek out a counselor to work through that. Um, it can affect the body in the way that we know that stress can trigger certain autoimmune diseases in our body. Um, sin has a real effect on us materially, but it's an immaterial poison that kind of plagues us. And so people naturally have this need to unburden that, to just dump it somewhere. But that's only part of it, right? Because um, as we hear in the Gospels, the, the demons are expelled, but unless you fill that up with something else, the demons will just rush back into the house. And so that's the next step is once I've unburdened myself of the sin that I've committed, what do I fill it back up with? And then you, you kind of mention cancel culture and the way that the world is approaching sin. When you don't have mercy, the only answer is justice pure, unadulterated justice. And mercy is a solely Christian idea. Without Christianity, there is no mercy. Because humans, we don't understand mercy. Because mercy is this perfect balance between justice and love. That is God's mercy. God is love. His nature is love. But the primary way that we experience God in the world is through his mercy, through an experience of his love and his justice in our life. And that's what we are being filled up with in confession. And so we unburden ourselves of our sin when we confess it. And I always tell kids, it's, it's kind of like throwing up all the bad stuff. We're just throwing it all up. And then we're being filled with that grace of God's mercy in our life to take the place of that poison that was plaguing us. And the ways of the world, they don't have anything to replace the sin once it's been dumped. And so the sin comes rushing back the moment that we leave. And we don't go to confession just to face the consequence of our sin because that's not God's desire. He needs us to see the effect of our sin and we need to acknowledge the consequence of it but it's for the sake of our relationship with him of eternal life with him and so it's always leading us somewhere forward not just putting us in jail because of something that we did wrong but it's rehabilitating us back into the christians god desired it highlights the urgency i think of catholics to this is a, an opportunity for us it's an opportunity for us to get right with god through confession coming back to church 
and back to the sacraments and really being a, a light and a beacon of, of love to other people and giving that hope to people. Cause there's a lot of hopelessness I find in this world, you know, where we're kind of, you live for the day and then that's, you know, you survive it and then you move on to the next thing or the next day or the next problem. Right. You know, before we go, I just want to, cause I, I think some people might, uh, I, I still want pe- people to be encouraged to, to go to confession. And I, there's the, the parable of the lost coin and I'll, we'll kind of close on this one. And I, because I do want people to, to walk away and say, you know, this is something that, uh, that God desires you to have that, that, that intimate relationship with him. And, and he doesn't want you to be living in a state of sin to take you away from that relationship with him, that loving relationship with him, that merciful relationship with him. So it says, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So that's, uh, that's from the, the Gospel of Luke from chapter 15. So I uh, just want to encourage people, go to confession. I'd say it's, it's three times a year. It's, I've heard this before. It's, it's every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. So don't even spend a second of your life there. Uh, Father Chris, can you... Um, direct us to to some of the the things that you're doing you have a presence online and uh there's some really really good resources good materials some good talks from you uh maybe show or tell our, our listeners how they can get a hold of you and see some of that material uh yeah so i guess they're all kind of united together on a facebook page called a beggar's heart it's kind of the title of the facebook page and on there you'll see i've got some vlogs that i that I do with Grandin Media, which is kind of the, the news agency for the Archdiocese here. And it's kind of trying to use sport to convey the, the good news of scripture um, in that way. And then I also record my, my weekly homilies um, in pretty much every platform that you can, can get. So podcasts, it's on soundcloud.com um, under a beggar's heart as well. Um, so you got weekly homilies there as well and i'll post those links too so that uh, if anyone's uh, interested and they're they're so good and i know for myself even as much as i love sports just like you father chris that's one of the, the cool things that we have in common and and uh it's a great way to to reach people especially men and young men and uh and uh, it's 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 awesome and i love hockey too but you know having um having a, a, a you know a priest like yourself that's that's sharing the gospel and, and not afraid to be putting it on on uh, social media and various platforms. I think it's just so encouraging. So uh, before we go, can I ask for your, your priestly blessing upon me and, and our listeners? Almighty God, you challenge us to face our own inadequacy, our own weakness and our own sin for the sake of opening our hearts to the gift of your mercy and grace. I pray that you bless David and all those who hear this podcast that they might be blessed by this grace that you desire for every human heart so that we might all be reconciled to you. And may you bless us always, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Chris, thank you. And thank you for your, your, uh, your priestly vocation that you get to share with all of us. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. All right. God bless. Thank you. Well, there it is, folks. Podcast number one in the books. Thanks so much for listening. And a big thanks to Father Chris for joining us for this very first episode. I want to leave you with this quote from St. Padre Pio. Pray, hope, and don't worry. 
worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayer. Thanks again for listening, everyone. God bless, and we'll chat with you very soon.